Hello and welcome to the Potters Podcast on a solemn week. The country's in mourning. The country is in mourning, but at the same time we're getting ready for quite a lockdown, so it's a bit of a... Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been an up and down week. Uh, obviously, sadly, fairly, the Duke of Edinburgh has sadly passed away. Yeah, 99. 99, only two months away from being 100. Yeah, that's sad news, really. It's sad news. They've been together for a long, long time. Yeah, a long, long time. It started way, way back, and I can't even say because... <laughs> It was before, I think. My mum was born. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> well, she was around the cave, man. What chance say how old I am? <laughs> but yeah, it's been a sad week. Obviously, did a lot for charity over the years, did a lot with young people as well with the Duke of Edinburgh Awards yeah. and the schemes we put forward. Saved in the Second World War. Yeah, he's, it'd be sadly missed. And he's, uh, say, one of the national treasures that's gone. It's and comedy gold. When he oh, he was comedy gold when he wanted to be here with his gaffs. Yeah. He, he, used to, he used to love a gaff. Yeah, he could stick his foot in it when he wanted to. <laughs> well, he's of a generation now, isn't he? That's yeah. the thing. It's the older generation. They, they're not bothered. They, well, it's not that they're not bothered. I just don't think they understand. It's, no. They can't, can't spell snowflake and they don't know what it is. <laughs> he had an odd life as well, especially at the beginning of it. Yeah. I think that's what makes probably the person he was. Is The thing is, because he had it so tough at the beginning, he became, in a way, sort of fearless, didn't he? And, and that's why he said exactly what he thought. He'd had it, he'd had it the way he'd had it, and he, he wasn't scared, he was upset. Cause, and, but the thing is, what what his bad things were, probably his good things outweighed him, didn't they? In, in the... In the one run of it. Yeah, yeah, over the time, yeah. Yeah. Did a lot for this country and he will be sorely missed, there's no question about that. And there's been a few other sadly sad passings this week. Obviously Paul Ritty has passed away from uh, Friday night dinners. Yeah. Not as major but it is yeah. It was a good programme as well, he enjoyed that a lot yeah. to be honest. Yeah, some people who watched it religiously, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nikki Graham I think who was on Big Brother, she's died. Yeah, he has managed to get yeah. hold of it. Yeah, I think she was thirty. She's only three years older than me, which is, which is really nothing, is it? As far as well, it just shows that mental health has just attacks on everything, really. Yeah, and it just proves, like I said before, that you shouldn't judge people on what they look like. And at the end of the day, she's obviously dealt with. She's terrified of putting weight on for a long, long time by the looks of things. And everybody is who they are, aren't they? In a way, and 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 they should shouldn't judge people on the way they look. I think a lot of that has got to do with, for me, the way things are advertised on the telly and the press. Women have got this image that they've got to be now, aren't they? Even yeah. lads as well. Yeah, um, it, affects, it affects a lot of people with mental illness. People yeah. don't want to eat because they're scared of putting weight on yeah. because the culture sees sees overweight people as a bad thing. Yeah, that, I mean, it isn't a great thing to be overweight. I mean, the doctor will tell you that, but at the same time, if you are bigger, you are bigger. Some people are bigger and comfortable being bigger. And, and, and that's fine it doesn't make any difference does it really you are who you are and if you won't be thin you can be thin if you won't be big you can be big and that's that's that let's try and pick it up with a great defeat <laughs> well we'll pick it up obviously I mean we've got a packed show this week as, as always we've got yeah we've got a packed show we've got to talk about the play ratings obviously don't really want to talk about the match much, much more but we're going to have to obviously talk towards the end of the show of what's going on with all these people wanting Michael O'Neill out. Yeah, I think it's a little bit rash, but we'll get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. So we'll jump straight in with quiz quiz question. Play a guessing time, because I want to get this wrong, because it's getting close like I'm going to lift the Michael Owen cup. You've lifted it before, Mark Gaffs, you have. Still a bad. <laughs> right, now this player here played centre-back, and he's actually from Stoke-on-Trent. Okay. He was coveted as one of the young defenders of the time, one of the best around. Played over 200 times for Stoke City, scoring nine goals. Replaced Dyson in the centre-back area for Stoke City and then went on to play for Arsenal. Okay. Joining them in 1988. And there we go, that's the first clue I'm giving you. It's a very good clue, that is. It is a very good clue. Mm-hmm. It is a very good clue. Right, so now everybody knows this week was a, was a devastatingly poor week this week. We went up to St Andrews and played Birmingham City and come away with a very disappointed 2-0 defeat. Well, that's now... We haven't won there since 88. That's how bad our form is at, at St Andrews. And it's just not got any better, has it, really? I mean, we poor last year there. Um, I mean, we had a goal and a goal ruled out as well, didn't we? Yeah. I think Michael O'Neill was quite sort of coy on the whole situation, thinking, 
that maybe we were a slight tad unlucky and I thought well the thing is you're going to Birmingham who were the wrong end of the table they're going to they're going to fight they've got a new manager and let's face it Bowie has not done himself any harm the last few years has he at Charlton no you see, I think Lee Bowie's a good manager yeah I mean he, he's sort of he was in quite an obscure position at Charlton when they were in League One with that the owner and he still just stuck by his guns kept going mm. got him out of League One I know they've dropped again but it, the thing is he's I think he's earned the right to get that job really well, he, I mean, maybe wants aren't the best at the moment. They're going through a lot of problems at the moment. Yeah. Um, so obviously we're going to have to go into player ratings. Right. So we'll go straight in with Adam Davies, who had a very poor game again. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's it, it's chalk and cheese compared to what we were talking about three weeks ago. It, it, you wouldn't believe that we were sort of sitting here saying he's the number one for the next three years, four years. Yeah. Um, and when you look at now sort of Berge has gone out on emergency loans to Peterborough you think maybe it was a bad idea yeah well let's be honest McGee had a McGree had a shot that led to the second goal couldn't keep his hands on it properly and it slipped through yeah poor very poor do you not think it's typical Stoke though come the end of the season where we just sort of see him go well we aren't going up we aren't going down we just tail off big time yeah. We just massively tail off as if like they're just not interested they're already on holiday. I think I've said that a million times every season. Yeah. And and it, and it just seems the same again. We've gone from being alright and, and just ticking along and then all of a sudden we're just just completely compact I can't say the word. That's the one. <laughs> but uh, to be honest, Davies I'm i I'm still gonna stick with him being number one. But to me, and I've said this many a time, I think Birgit needs to go in and go in as number one next season mm-hmm. to get his confidence up and keep him playing and make because there's a good player there in Birgit. Well, the thing is with Birgit is if he goes, if he goes out, he's obviously gone out on loan. If he does well, I mean, he's already had people have a look at him already. If if he has another good loan spell, he's then got a big job of trying to convince him to say the only way to convince him is by making a number one next Basically, season. Yeah. Really. Uh, I'll go in with a four. Yeah, a poor display for Davies for me. Uh, right, Tommy Smith. To be honest, couldn't get across. Couldn't stop Junkovic from getting the header in. Just defensively worries me every week. Yeah. It should. It, it's a shame because if Collins was fit, he wouldn't be playing. And then hopefully we could get him gone at the end mm-hmm. of the season. But because of injuries, we've been letting obviously Tom Edwards get out on loan to America with a few of the beer and deal as well. I've read up on. I, I, to be honest, he didn't even do his normal jobs where he was getting forward and putting good balls in. It was a poor display to be honest yeah. with Tommy David. Yeah, yeah, Tommy Smith. Yeah, I, I think that I think the worst thing now at Stoke is, and I think it's what a lot of fans maybe underestimate is if if you asked most fans, they'd say we'd have Collins there. But the problem is, is when we have replacements, they just aren't good enough. <laughs> the ones that we there's there's obviously players at Stoke who I want to keep hold of. But the problem is, is that the replacements for him, and they're always bad. A yeah. lot of, in certain positions, you look at it, and it, still, for me, I said it last week, we still left with right back again for another year. Where you're looking at it, going, we still struggle in them two positions. Well, the, the problem is with those two positions are the highly wanted areas nowadays. Yeah, they become the the, the sort of that superstar player now, aren't they? They, they basically become part-time wingers now, and that's yeah. the difference. And you know Smith, I've always, I've, I've always disliked Smith. I don't, I just don't rate him as a right back because defensively falls apart. Now Glenn Johnson had that problem, but at least Glenn Johnson got in the way. At least he was back to block them off and stop them. Johnson to run was through. just going forward then. But but Johnson, like I say, was so good at attacking the ball and, and supporting Shakiri because yeah. I think the reason why a lot of Stoke Loner worked was because he was so good at bombing on. Mm-hmm. And being that pace that well, he always did at Liverpool and Chelsea, didn't he? As yeah, well. West Ham as well. Yeah. yeah, he always bombed forward, and he had a goal in him as well. And and the thing is, his his defensive weaknesses sometimes were made up by the fact that he caused big problems going forward. And if you've got neither, that's the thing with this wing back position, isn't it? Because you see a lot of wing backs come in, and they they're good enough at getting forward, but they can't get back. Yeah, all the other way round. They yeah. don't get forward enough, which is sometimes probably um, Tommy Smith's thing. Is I've noticed in certain games, you think, well, 
you've done all right defensively today, but not got forward. And then the next game, you'll get forward. You can't get back. Yeah, get, get caught and, out all the yeah, time. Yeah, and it's, it is a bit... What what do you do for the best with that? That's sort of when you're playing that five at the back. Yeah, especially when we bought him last season for three point what was it eight million? Yeah, he's been nothing but a waste of time. I'll go over for three hour. Four. He did nothing really. Yeah. Like I say, the the joke of it said it was him not getting back into his job, even though he had the advantage of time on his hands and just didn't no concentration. Yeah. Not clever enough on not the ball. Pressure. Not clever no, enough. Yeah. Right, so now we're going to Norwich and Davies. Now I tell you what I like how he how aggressive he is when he breaks down the down the wing. Such a solid player. And to be honest, he's only let down was again his balls didn't come too much. Yeah. He was getting down the right areas, he was defensively doing his duty, but he wasn't getting good crosses that into the box. Man. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's the thing, that lonely that lo- this this sort of praise that he's had from us will only last so long if he doesn't start having any end product really well he's, the problem is when you play wing backs with this situation we've got is the like, serious lack of pace we've got on the team and to be honest I like how he aggressively attacks to be honest I bet he bombs and he's, he's like a young Julian Dix let's be honest just racing down but the problem is Julian Dix had a good cross on him yeah. and he used to find his man quite regularly and he isn't doing it. He just he he isn't. The last two three games, I've noticed that his balls are going in, but there's no one there when the, when I mean, the ball goes in the back. I get the feeling a little bit from no matter who's on the pitch, and especially a lot of the fans are putting it on social media this weekend. Is the negativity as a group is we're so sort of defensive at times, and you just think we are starting to get a bit boring much. You look at last year when he come in, every game was like entertaining, wasn't it? Even when yeah. we lost. Yeah. You used to sit there and think, well, there's a good chance we'll score twice in this game, regardless of the results. We we were so entertaining to watch. Whereas this year he sort of shut up shot. But then some games he shut up shot too much. Where you just think, we couldn't score if we played till six o'clock here. Yeah. yeah. We're just so negative. And like I say, alright, fair enough. It, it's we're not struggling in the bottom three. But at the same time, he's made this improvement that we are mid-table, but it's absolute dire watch at the moment. It oh, really it's not great dire. at the moment. So, no. so we always, I think Norrington to Davies, out of all the signs we've made in January, it's probably really been the only one that I'll go yet. Yeah. Which is bad, really. That, that's another look at the business thing that we spoke before. If you think how many players come in in January, if you're only looking at one of them that's done yeah. anything, that's bad, really. But it is good enough another team that those other ones go back at the end of yeah, the season. That, so. that's the only blessing, really. But I'll, I'll go on for five. I like how he was moving, but like I say, he's crossing no, two. It was a bit of a, a steady middle-of-the-pitch performance for me, yeah, so I'll give him a five. Right, now good to Harry Suti. To be honest, that to sweep up all game, picking up from mistakes at the back. To be, to be honest, keeping it, it the scoreline it was. But I think he got caught too many times, square. In The problem is you can see that... I think there's a confidence problem with a couple of these new players that have broke through and done well. It's quite weird that a young player doesn't feel confident with the person next to him. And you can see it in his eyes. You can Mm. see that when he's getting caught all the time, he's sort of looking out for his other defenders to try and see if he can move into a different position to help them out. It's a partnership, isn't it? Great great defences are built on great partnerships. We've had that in the past with the likes of Ethan Shawcross. They they work together as a unit and... Or, or two at the back or three as it's been they swapped and changed around all the time and I, I genuinely believe he shouldn't do it you, you need some some to unify that back that back together the, the centre halves need to be for me week in week out really unless there's an injury or, yeah, or yeah. it's a, a cup game or whatever I just think it's one of them positions where to gain massive confidence you need that sort of consistency between two of you and we don't know what our best centre-halves are I don't think Michael O'Neill does either oh, we know Suter's one but yeah but with who and this is the thing well for me next season it'll be Nathan Collins on the right of the three and a new sign on the left of the three to me I mean the one thing we haven't mentioned really is what what is a small possibility is is you've got to look at the fact that there's been national press looking at moves away from Soak yeah. to Suter and Collins and and you think at a young age, you might be thinking, "Well, do a go, and it's a good move for my career." And 
and, and, it, and it might give them a bit of a wobble. People don't. Yeah, but it can't be like a James O'Connor where it doesn't quite work out. James O'Connor, of course, broke through the scene at Stoke and was amazing at times. In times, you know, literally got us promoted on his own for yeah. a lot of the time. But when he moved on to West Brom, it didn't work out and his career did sort of become mediocre yeah. after Stoke. Yeah. So he can work to one of two ways. He can, but at a young age, you don't know that, do you? You don't. You never sit there and start comparing yourself to other footballers. You do when you. It, we sit here older, sort of knowing these players who've made the move, made the move, and it's not worked. But his age, he's probably thinking, "Well, we're playing in front of all these fans, and it's Premier League, and blah blah blah." And the reality is, it doesn't always work like that. You might wait. You might sit on the bench for two, three years. Look at some of the youth players that have been at Chelsea for years and years and years and never really kicked a ball for them. Then release them when they're 26, 27, and then they've then got re sort of start the career again. Well, a lot of those players are greedy because they won't leave the contracts. They have massive contracts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was at Chelsea for years, wasn't he? Bamford. Yeah. He just kept going out alone and out alone and out alone every year. Yeah. Then he went Middlesbrough and his career sort of picked up from that yeah. point. But anyway, going back to, I think I'll, I'll give Harry Super a six, to be honest, because. He was doing a lot of mopping up, and to be honest, if you wanted for him, that could have been four, four now. Five, yeah. So I'll give him a six. Right, now we'll look at Danny Batts, who, to be fair, after last week's slipping, did make a good defensive partnership on the right side of the defence. Mm-hmm. I thought he did all right, to be fair. Um, but again, he just looks comfortable on his right side, but again, there's nothing wowing there, nothing that we can sit here and go, oh, he did amazing, nearly scored a goal, whatever mm-hmm. he... He just looked more solid than he did from his mistakes last week. It's hard this week because I don't think Birmingham played overly well either at times. It was a die game and uh, I still think Bat stays in numbered unless we can find a replacement. This is the problem though, isn't it? Can't, can't, can they buy a replacement? Can they bring a replacement in? This is the big problem. I'll go in with a five for Danny oh. Barty. He didn't do anything wrong or, or good either, so that's all go in. Right, now we'll go to the vin- vit- villain of the piece, James Chesty. What was he doing with the junk of its head? Free edit. On his own. Yeah. On his own, free edit. Yeah. Just not not picking his man off really. Completely flat foot, he'd lack of concentration. Mistake, yeah. again, from these two experienced yeah. centre-backs that we've got at the back. I mean, what scares me is, is how defensive we are. He's, he full well knows we can ship goals for fun stuff. Even with a defensive line. Yeah, he knows. I think he knows from last season when you look at some of the games we conceded goals and I think he's sort of looked at it and we still look wobbly. Because that is mega negative really when you think. Well, well if, you, if you look at that now, apart from Nathan Collins not being at right wing back, that's his first eleven. That's his first defence. Yeah, it is. You've yeah. got Smith on the right, Bats, Suter with Chesty, and then you've got Norrington to do. So on the left, the only person who go out is Smith for uh, Collins. Yeah. So that's so there really shouldn't be any defensive errors there. But I can understand if there's a big important player out injured. Say Suter was out injured, then you could go, yeah, there's going to be a mistake defensive yeah. mindset. Yeah. But when you've got Chesty and Bats. Who've played well over four hundred professional career games in the career, mm. or around that, but they can't defend properly. Make mistakes what, like they do. It's quite hard for what us watch though when you think we had such a big leader at one time. Yeah, with Ryan for yeah. so long, we had that it, person who just organised that back line all the time. This is what I'm saying though. Would if Shawcross was truly back and could play fit, why wouldn't we have Shawcross ahead of Bat? If if Ryan if Ryan could have stayed fit. But for me, would have probably gone in January. But the thing is, I don't understand why we let Ryan go. I can understand for his personal opinions and all that lot. But I can't understand why Michael O'Neill thinks that Danny Bat's a better player than Ryan Shaw. I don't think he does. I just don't think he can get him to play a full season. I think you can. I, th- I think it, the problem is with us is that for all all Ryan Shaw across his career, we've just been rushing him back whenever whenever he's injured. Yeah. We've never given him that time. Because we're desperate. And he's had that now. And he, he yeah, fair enough, he got overrun, I think, late on against Leicester. But to be fair, that was a good starting block to start putting him back in and giving him a bit of time. He lasted 90 minutes against Leicester. And Leicester were a good side. And Leicester were a good side. side. And fair enough, he got a little bit um, overdone for two of the goals late on. But to be fair, it was Leicester. And he hasn't played professional football and he's not for over, fit in over any, a year. Yeah, so, Leicester, Leicester could beat any. Let's face it, Leicester could beat most teams in the Premier League. So that's why they're where they are. So for me, I don't understand why we just didn't give him right. No, we know he won't go there, but just give us until the end of the season, mm. and then we'll do a deal where he can go in there in the summer. I still stand by. We should have loaned him. 
I genuinely think we should have loaned him out. Gave him some game time somewhere and loaned him out. Because the problem is, if he goes there now and gets properly fit, we've lost probably two, three years of him. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll try and get a big send-off for him. But, like you say, the problem is, it's, if Stoke could play well now, there'd be no mention of Ryan. The problem is you start comparing for Ryan because yeah, I don't, I don't frailties have got. I don't think there's any defender at the moment who's at Stoke who can compare himself to Ryan. No, but what I'm saying is it's quite easy to forget about Ryan if we were winning most weeks. Yeah, yeah, which we were. You know which we were. It's kind of the start so, of the season. Yeah. But to be honest, at the moment, the way we're playing, it feels like the wheels have come off. But right, like I say, should have should have organised himself better for the Djokovic head. If complete free header in the box, unforgivable. It's not good enough. Did he score against us at home last year? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. he's got he's got he scored for, for them with Bournemouth as well. I, I remember right. Uh, I'll go in with a three for James Chester. Poor again. Yeah. Poor, poor from such an experienced play. Right, John Obi McCall. You know, tried to work the ball. He, he really did. He tried to work the ball through. And to be honest, I think just just at the start of the second half, he managed to break through into the box, but completely failed to do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. You know my thoughts on McCall. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't be wrong. I think last week he had improved a bit, but it's another one of them old old man signings. I can't work my head around. Well, to be honest, I, I thought he was all right. When he plays central midfield, I do I, I understand the signing when he plays central midfield, but I know that Michael O'Neill brought him in with all intent to play a holding midfielder, and he just hasn't got the legs for it. It's no. not anymore because now it's that's an engine role. You've got to be fit, yeah, yeah, to play especially as a holding the championship, yeah. Well, in any division really, except mm. obviously the Mickey Mouse if you play for Celtic or whatever. But the thing <laughs> is that if you when you play the way he plays, he has got that good little nick touch. We all know about it. But, you know, you'd expect some of the experience and know-how of him to put that chance away when he got into the box and, or at least test the goalkeeper with a decent well, effort. This is why, like, when he started looking at the youth players, I was happy because I did see it's a long-term sort of plan and I just think, why are we bringing these old, old men in for yo-yo the squad all the time? One in one year, one in another year. Because that's what you're getting with the older people. Don't get me wrong, I said last week, Fletcher... All right, fair enough. He's an old man, but without him, we'd have been stuffed this season. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially, they, especially with how so with Campbell going down injured. And, but I'm sick of making that excuse up anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll go with a five for maybe Raquel. Yeah. I, I, I thought he was alright. Yeah, didn't do too much wrong, did he? But just, just for me, he doesn't impact the game enough. Yeah. That's the thing. He doesn't. He when he plays all right, he sort of look at it and go. Well, he defended all right, and he and he did break play up, and that's it. That's as far as it goes. You don't ever sit there and go, "Wow, he was he was everywhere." And I have, I can't remember the last time I said that about a player. To be honest, apart from maybe Nick Bowen and Campbell, mm-hmm. there's been a long time when I've gone, "What a player he is!" <laughs> and I, I, I just haven't. Right. Apart from the defenders and Suter and Collins and a few other players, and but even with them, it's been like, yeah, "Oh, yes. they've got good potential." They yeah. have. I've not sat there and gone, "What a player he's he's brilliant." I just haven't. So, what are you going to give him? I'll give him a five. I don't think he did a great lot wrong, but I, I, I just he needs to start impacting games more. That is experience. He should be impacting games more. Should be sitting here on a Sunday going, well, if it weren't for him, we'd have lost ten nil, and he, and he threw his head into everything, and and he was making great balls forward, breaking the play, and, and I just don't ever see that from him. He's either making mistakes or having pretty average performances, and that's what I could say about a, a number of players, Tommy Smith. Mikel, yeah. Thompson. Well, speaking of Thompson, that's who we've got next. Yeah. Now, to be fair to him, had a couple of good balls in the first. Well, all the way through the game, he was putting some good balls in. He was, but that's really as far as you can go. He's tenacious. He was trying something. At least he was. He reminded me of Charlie Adam towards the end of his career, where he was just trying anything, anything to get yeah. the ball in the box and, and yeah. try get something working. But we'll go on to the forward line because the forward line was atrocious yesterday. <laughs> but to be fair, I'm going to give him man of the match. I'm going to give him a, an I six because I liked how he was grafting. I liked how he was moving the ball. His crosses were deadly. There was just nobody there, and he was trying to do to impress. He was trying to keep the team going because as soon as the first goal and half them give up, 
and with him yeah. he tried he kept trying to do something yeah. and I like that tenacious side of him he's yeah. a grafter I do, I'm do. i starting to like Thompson more and more and I think that because he's the only player that really hasn't got injured as well I think he needs to be a mainstay next season in that in that safe centre midfield on the left side of yeah. that just needs a decent partner really doesn't he needs no. a few decent partners <laughs> <laughs> I must be honest put the keys in the world <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll go with an R6 for him. Yeah. I think he was man of the match because at least yeah. he tried. He didn't give up. He yeah, was I mean, he put balls in and no one, nobody's willing to attack him. Then you feel sorry for Thompson, don't you? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. So what are you doing? I'll give him a six. It, it, like you say, you can't you can't fault somebody for effort. Right, so now we're going to Nick Powell. Might as well call him the ghost <laughs> from Saturday. The, the ghost of Christmas past. Just, just. <laughs> Just couldn't do anything. Just couldn't yeah. do enough. He, he was ne- he was nowhere. He, he he seemed like he was hiding for about sixty minutes of that game. Yeah, I think that uh, player of the month award uh, is uh, weighed heavily on him this week. <laughs> um, but it's 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 probably a small surprise really because he has been quite consistent of late. Powell. Um, he has most games. He's been in, he's he's been involved in the goals. He's been involved in most build up play. So I can't really sit there and go, he's terrible because he hasn't been. He ha- There's a reason why he's won the player of the month so much this, this season. Um, because he has been good. But I, there is one thing with Powell that I have noticed when we have a bad game. We've got no supply or we've got nothing going forward up top. Powell does seem to drift out of the game. Like if he's got no supply or he's running down dead alleys. and yeah. like, he, he can, You can sort of watch a game. Even before lockdown, you'd sit there and go, is Powell actually on the pitch? Like if yeah, you're at the that, game, you go 70 minutes okay. and think, he's not done anything wrong, but you don't know he's even on the pitch because if he needs that, he needs someone to give that ball to that killer pass or somebody, some supply. And we just, just seen this big divide between the attack, the midfield and defence. And yeah. he, he does drift out of games if he, if he hasn't. And it's as if his head drops a little bit if he hasn't got that other creative player with him. I just thought he, I just thought he was poor. Mm. It, the thing is, he reminds me of Fuller now. Remember when Fuller used to play, and he used to just walk around, and everyone's going, "Come on, Fuller, move, do something!" <laughs> do like, There's some magic. <laughs> and for a while, like first couple of seasons, probably first two, three seasons in the Premier League, he'd just come up with magic and, and score a cracking goal. Now Nick Powell's the same. He plays similarly, where he goes missing. But the problem is sometimes you can't find him. And the problem is when you can't find him and he has a bad game, Stoke tend to not do well. Yeah. Because he's our only real attacking threat. Yeah. And to be fair, he's been a great great player this season because if it wasn't for him, we'd be in another allegation battle, let's be honest. But yeah, it's been brilliant. I have to go in strong this week that that's that that is the negative side of Powell and we saw it against Birmingham, where he was I can't remember him touching the ball many times yeah. or of any. He was just completely out of the game. Yeah. Whenever he did get the ball, he was tackled. He was he, it was a poor game. Yeah. And I'm going to go in with a four. Yeah. It, it was a poor game for yeah, him. He, he can go start with a game quite quite easily. But in his defence, I haven't seen it for a while up until yesterday. It, the, the thing is, when he first comes, he's cheap most weeks. You think, who's that running forward with the ball? But, <laughs> um, he, of late, him and, and Jacob Brown have sort of forged a little partnership going forward aren't they at yeah. times and and he has been impacting games really well and um, it was just a big downturn from recent weeks for me yeah it's a shame I'll give him a five be very generous today yeah. right so now we're going to Jacob Brown he pressed Happy he rushed him <laughs> it's his birthday <laughs> That's about the only good thing. <laughs> well, to be fair, he, he did put another good ball in for the offside goal as well. Yeah, like I mean, we both sort of said last week, didn't we, that maybe we were a bit harsh on him because he's having a run of games and he has improved massively, has he, over recent weeks? Yeah. By being in the starting lineup, I still don't think he's long term. I don't. Um, but no, he's only twenty two. I know, but I, I, I just. I still don't think he's long term. I still think within a year or so. I mean, he'd probably still be here next year. Oh, he'll definitely be here yeah. next year. He's got a four-year contract. I think, yeah. So like um, at the same time, all Stoke fans will look at that front line come the end of the season. 
There's, there's no doubt in that. That's probably well, the biggest yeah, place all, that most fans will look at. There's a lot of places I won't fix it, to be honest, and they yeah. just don't. Unless, unless something happens to fans for fair play that they have been on about, we need invest, start, need, we need to start investing now. It's simple as that. Um, I thought um, Brown, again, was very much similar to where he was before, where he was pressing, he was working hard, but there was no end product, there was no yeah. smart movements, no trickery to try and get himself in the right areas. Don't get me wrong, he put a good ball in for Fletcher, which he was offside, obviously. But attacking-wise, yesterday, the game was completely non-existent. We might as well have just just gone out. Yeah. It. it was like we went out purposely to play for a nil-nil draw. And I think Brown... He gets a four from me. It was, it was yeah. not a good display at all. Um, product. And now we're moving to Stephen Fletcher. I'll be honest, he had both of Stoke's best chances. One of me moved too early and obviously was offside, which didn't lead to the goal. It's, his form's dwindling. Mm. But he's ages. <laughs> well, I know. He didn't get any younger. And the thing is, that, like I said before, you, you, you sort of, because we've heavily relied on him since Taris got injured, all eyes are on him all the time. He can't afford to have a bad game. Sometimes in a good side, one player can have like a, an off game, and people pet the pet the pieces up while you're having an off game. If we if Fletcher has an off game, we have an off game. It's simple as that. Yeah, I find that with Nick Powell. But I mean, both cha- both good chances we created fell to Fletcher, and both times he was offside. So yeah. he's really got to look at that now. Yeah. But he, he has been ever since New Year. He's been offside more than any other player striker in the Premier yeah. League, Premier League Championship, from what I've heard. Yeah. So he's got to start timing his runs better. He can't, I mean, that ball from Jacob Brown was perfect to it. And he could have even waited and then ran yeah. and got his foot to that. Yeah. So, for me, I, I'm getting with a number four. Attackingly, as a, as a squad, we're, we're really, really struggling at times. Well, the it's thing so is, it's a miss. If, that, if that's true, what you're saying about being one of the most offside players since Christmas, then clubs will be looking at that before they set up against Stoke. Because they'll be going, right, well, when Fletcher's playing, we're playing high line. Because he's offside all the time. Yeah. So... Teams will look at that when they're doing the videos on Stoke and go, right, Fletcher's always offside. Push up, push up, push up all the time. As soon as that ball's played, come forward. Get him offside because he, he always goes too early. And and then a little snippet of ways of stopping teams, isn't it? And to, to be honest, it, it's not that hard to stop us at the moment. That sounds mega negative. But <laughs> mega negative, that is. Right, so we'll quickly go through the substitutes. Um, Norton came on for Fletcher in the 68th minute. Vokes came on for Smith in the 68th minute because obviously they went to a more 4-4-2 so, uh, style of playing. And then Klukas came on for Thompson in the 73rd minute. To be honest, Vokes did nothing. Never does. Um, but to be honest, I was very impressed with Norton. Yeah. First shots on target in the game really with a lively cameo he was really strong he yeah. looks a decent little tricky player yeah. he does yeah he does and, and, the, and the thing is there's no harm in playing him really at the moment so if, if that's what we've got, got to witness why not bring him off from the start see how he gets on well for me I, I, I now after that because to be honest he, he gets a six to yeah. be honest Norton does for me yeah. because I thought his little cameo that he came on because he wasn't on the pitch long no. but to have the only shot of the game basically give those defenders a right nightmare because he was yeah. so quick whippity around the box I like him I do yeah. and I think to be honest if after that cameo I'd start him instead of Brown next next match well, it might be a way of giving Brown a little kick up the jack won't it because this is the problem with a lot of these players they just look at the team and think well I'm in there'd be players in Stoke team that do not think they'll be out of the squad the following week Yeah, in my opinion because they full well know that they can't be taken out Powell's been one of them Fletch full well knows he won't get taken out yeah. because of his goals he knows folks himself has finished there's players in that team who think they're indispensable again it's gone back to how it was three years ago and to me I'd let these kids have a run now because the, the season's finished yeah. Let's yeah, try is. and end it. Let's try and end it on a positive note. Because the thing is, people say to us that we can be negative on here. I watching so listening to social media last night, it was terrible after the yeah. game. Yeah. 
there wasn't a there wasn't a single person associated with Stoke that didn't get slapped off on Facebook. Wasn't yeah, there? yeah. Anyone they could throw any mud at, they did. And you're thinking the the fans are turning a bit toxic now because they're not happy about it. Yeah. So that's like, same with Wright Phillips. Put him on the bench. Let's see see what he can do. Well, the subs that weren't used, Gordon Cousins, Time and Coates, Batondo and Taylor, they're the ones that weren't used. Right, so now we'll give the whole performance a rating. Two. I'm giving it a one. <laughs> uh, now we'll give it a two, to be fair. <laughs> um, now, so we'll go into Michael O'Neill's rating. We're going to have Michael O'Neill rating two. for this game. Two negative. It's far too negative. I'll, I'll go three, because uh, to be honest, I think that there's two very experienced centre-backs that aren't helping him out there. Um I'm getting a bit worried with Michael O'Neill on this negative tactics, which we'll obviously cover later on the topic. But yeah, I'll, I'll go on with a three. That's that's the best thing I can do, really, because the performance was poor. Simple as that. You know, defensively, we were completely... I mean, the thing that really annoys me more than anything about watching Stoke, especially when we lose like that, and the performances over the last two games, is the, the mistakes from experienced players. Yeah. But these aren't experienced players that are like 35, 36, 37, you know, like Tony Dorigos that were literally on the last kickings yeah. of their career. Oh. These are players who are like 31, 32, yeah. who are still should be in the peak of their career. Yeah. To be making mistakes like James Chester, I mean, Harry Suter must be sat there going, you're on more money than me. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're, you're an international. You're an international, well, I don't know if he is. Chester, last Chester's a, a full international why did he play in the last? Because I can't remember. Was he's he played, played? He's played a lot. Of, he's had a lot. Of oh, I know he has players. played a lot of times for Wales. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, he sat there going, well, "How are you making mistakes like that?" What what frustra- what's frustrating is playing away from home in the championship. It's quite simple because you see it when teams come down Stoke, is sit back for half an hour, let us attack them. When we don't break them down, they start breaking on us. And the problem is, when we go away from home, we sit back, but don't get forward. <laughs> and I know it sounds so simple, but it's true. We play so negative, and you think, all right, fair enough, you're away at Birmingham. So you're away at Birmingham, they've got the ball, they've got more possession than us. So you've got five at the back, you've got some experienced centre halves. When we win the ball back, we need to get forward. Quick. If you're playing five at the back, that's the idea. The idea is you're a counter-attack you play on the defensive until you win the ball back. Our Liverpool we, do it. We can't, Our, we, yeah, we can't do it. We can't attack from the break. We we've, haven't got We've got enough. We haven't got enough from the back to the front. There's, you could park a bus in the gap how long it takes to get from the front. Well, that's because he, he's put Powell... They've swapped because before we had a golden midfield, which was Miguel, who was struggling to do it. So now he's gone to a more attacking style where he's got a cam, but then stuck with a three-man back, back three. And it just didn't working because no. we were just too slow. Yeah. The, the fact is, you, you could get Danny back playing well and all that. Like if you had a midfield that had pace, yeah. but this division pace kills everything. If you've got pace, you could destroy this league. Watford are going up because they've got pace everywhere. Yeah. You've got that Saw. You've got that Pedro. Somebody can't remember his name. No, you've got <laughs> you've got Will Hughes. Yeah. These are players that are quick. Your engines and they run up and yeah. down the pitch. You can do yeah. it all day. Yeah. Stoke haven't got any of these players. Yeah. They, they haven't got a single midfielder that's pacey. And if they do, I mean, it's like Luke as he came on looked looked like had a bit of a, an attacking threat, a bit more experienced in tension when he broke forward of the ball. But the problem was he was only on the pitch for twenty minutes. Yeah. And he's done nothing this year. I don't think he scored a goal this season, right. Sam Lucas. He's like a dormitory or eight wolves who did score this weekend, first of the season. Yeah. The, the thing is, that team needs serious investment, which we'll talk about later. He does, yeah. But uh, I mean, you look at, you just mentioned Will Hughes. The only, do you know they only paid six million for him? In yeah. the Premier League. Yeah. And you think what engine he is for over 90 minutes, and you think it, it's just. It was so night and day when we're looking at players. It's unreal. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing is with like Watford, I know they have their connections with Udinese and a few other clubs where they spot and bring young players through and they slap the other and they loan them to different clubs to get the best yeah. out of them. It's like there's another player they've got called Pen Penranda, is it Penranda? Yeah, who's supposed to be an amazing yeah. young player. The differences with Stoke, which we talked about so many times, is that we go for the easy option all the time because we've got a chief executive that can't be bothered to put scouting techniques he puts it all on the manager to do all these kind of things and it should never work like that 
think I'd say, I suppose having a link with Udinese, Udinese was a, a top uh, Italian side. Not really, no, they were sort of mid to bottom. Yeah, but I mean in the top division. Yes, yeah, so, so you, yeah. you're playing with young Italian footballers at a top, top side out of the top division. Like when we were linked to St. Pauli, they weren't exactly like... Yeah, but the the owner owns. I know, but they weren't firing players all the way, were they? We were sort of linked to them and shaking hands with their own. Oh, he said Valenda, Valenda, they on loan for us. Yeah. he played four times. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's like, we're linked with St. Pauli. What have they done? No, we've had nobody off. We had a great pre-season friendly. (laughs) Where everyone kicked off because we were relegated. (laughs) Yeah, I just think if you're going to have a link with one of these foreign clubs, let's use it to his advantage. You send your young kids there if they if they're not getting game time here. Well, it's a different system. It's a completely different system because, like Udinese, they it's the owner of Udinese is the owner of Watford, the owner of Locker and I think in Belgium. Yeah. He owns quite a few football clubs, so he decides where they go and, and whatever they do. So, it's like a buy. So, Watford can get a player from Udinese done in, a, in an hour yeah it's like that goalkeeper we signed a goalkeeper a while ago Watford did he was supposed to be like the Greek top goalkeeper at the time he was crap for Watford but the, the biggest problem we have as Stoke fans is that we just look at these teams who've got blistering pace but we've instead gone with players that you know like Sam Lucas we like Sam Lucas as a player he can hit the ball well he can do whatever but he, he isn't a box-to-box. He can't drag the ball from the bottom end to the top end. Yeah. We've got no box players. That's what Stephen Zonzi was so good at. Yeah, what we yeah. failed so massively, it replaced him as a player that can pick the ball up deep and charge it up the pitch and get things moving. Yeah. The problem is we've got no players that are box-to-box. We haven't got, I can't think of a single player we've got on our team, and let's look in the academy, who can pick the ball up deep and charge that ball up the pitch. Yeah, I did, but we sold him last year, that, that leave team. Who? Uh, Forrester. Forrester? Who we saw play at Tram here. Forrester's still at the club, he's, he's he on the bench. Like last year. Oh, oh. Jake Dunwoody. Yeah, that's it. Or Jarvis. Jarvis, that's it. Jarvis. Yeah, well, he was, he, he was in the middle a lot of jam here and he was pulling the ball all over the place. But the thing is, we didn't give him a chance. The thing is, he sort of come in and, and he said, well, we're playing five minutes here and five minutes there. It's not enough. If we can't do it in the transfer market, we've got to start looking at the youth system. Because we, we're clearly inept when it comes to the transfer market. Matondo's come in. And I, I think if you go back on the pod, I'll say he's come from a negative background. Don't think it's going to work, and it hasn't. Well, he didn't need, he didn't need a top scout for to tell you that. He could have rang me. I told you. The thing is, with somebody like Robin Matondo, I get I get the signing of Robin Matondo. If you're going to sign him permanently and developing him to a new position or developing him in a way where he can play, but what I still don't understand is why he's brought two players on loan. They're wingers. When we we aren't playing wingers, yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's no point bringing in two players on loan to come off the bench late on when we're one nil down. Yeah, it, it, it's just not, they're never going to stay at the club anyway. Because they're, they're not, not, they're not going to be happy. Are they? No. Rabbit who it best has been sat on the bench. He's even had times in the in the under twenty three teams. I mean, who buys a player on loan to play in the under twenty three yeah. team? We're desperate for someone in the under twenty threes. Go on, Rabbit, get yourself <laughs> in. The, the the big problem is that why people are getting really really pissed off at the moment, Stoke fans is that we're playing a defensive line that isn't improving us. We're not improving, we're still making basic errors because we're not replacing these players. Mm. We've been massively lucky this season and I tell you what, if it wasn't for the emergence of two quality young defenders in Collins and Suti, we would have gone down this year. Yeah, and, and Campbell's early form before Christmas. Yes. It, it, obviously, him and Fletcher were deadly together running up to Christmas and he, and he kept us... It's kept us in the division this year, that has. Suits Suter has. I think mm. Suter has massively improved our defence. And it's a player we haven't bought. Well, we have, we bought him when he was done the United. But why, why is it that... I mean, we sat there when Nathan Jones was in charge going, he doesn't know what to do with this formation. He's all over the place with this formation. He, he's got it one week, then he changes it, then it... Michael O'Neill's fallen exactly into the same trap of it just lately. Well, because when he played for Northern Ireland, he liked a flat back five. Yeah, but Northern Ireland would get it... The, the, they were always the underdog. So if they got a 1-1 or a 1-0 win, they were happy, weren't they? They were over the moon. Yeah. They were poor side. They've got poor pickings. They haven't got a big pool of footballers they can choose from for international duty. So 
they take what they're given. It's like San Marino or Iceland. They, they, they get what they're given, and, and if they get a decent result, they get it. This is different. This is Stoke. We're in the Championship. We yeah, need to be more team, positive. We're a team that wants to go up. Yeah. Right, so before we go into the next trend, you're obviously talking about Michael O'Neill. We're going to go in with clue two. He moved to Arsenal for a fee of 390000 on the 13th of June 1988. I remember it well, I was two. <laughs> <laughs> he formed a great partnership with Tony Adams and Nigel Winterburn. He also played in the club's famous 2-0 victory over Liverpool, where that result won him the title against Liverpool on the final day. Yeah. Wayne Thomas scored that game. Wayne Thomas scored the win, yeah, yeah famously, yeah. He uh, basically won many a trophy with Arsenal Football Club in, in an 11 year career and then ended his career at Sunderland. I already knew it was in the first clue. <laughs> well, keep it guessing for the fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, we only had four seconds to figure it out, so I thought I've done quite well. Right, so now we'll move into obviously people aren't happy with Michael O'Neill. What are your thoughts on it? Well, never mind my thoughts. Let's go to the pages to find out what the people want <laughs> and what they've said. Go straight ahead. Well, name checks as well. Name checks. Shall so start positive. Yeah, start positive. He is we, positive. We, we like positive because we don't be again being put through barrage of abuse for being too negative. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lad here, Steve, and, and he's he sort of said obviously that. It does. It does feel a little bit like the players have seen it as the the season's over and and they sort of made we're not going up, we're not going down. It, yeah. There's not that much effort in there, but at the same time, the, the likes of Norton, he, he, he did excite when he come on, but it was a little too late. And there is positives in there, but we just need to utilise them a little bit better. And and the thing is, I, I I've said it to you today. I still think Mon deserves to be given another season to, to see what he can do because the improvement in one year it might not be great at the moment but the improvement in one year from last year as far as results is a lot better yeah we haven't looked like we're going to go down yeah. we've been in it and miss late on especially second half of the season we have been very much two wins two loses a win draw loss win it has been up and down so I'll cover another one off Instagram uh, Jim Stokey, 95, he said, terrible, no passion, is what is what that really annoys me. Norton did well, Vogue should never play again for us. He's worse than a chocolate tea kettle. Oh, I thought you were going to say chocolate fire guard, though. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> yeah, Felipe, Felipe Magalon, that's a post. That's, that's like a striker, isn't it? Yeah, that sounds like a French superstar striker, that is. 2 0, full time, well, another fine mess and loads of sweary emojis underneath. <laughs> well, it's tried. Right, we'll move into Adam Skeet, 1966, sorry, he's bought Cat Cack and More Cack. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he should be sacked. I don't. Uh, I'll be quite positive about that. I don't. There's a lot of people saying, obviously, that there is players injured, and we have had players come in and out the side all season, haven't they? Yeah. Fletcher's been injured, and he's been in and out. Allen's been in and out. Obviously, Tyrese is out permanently now this season. Yeah. Um, whenever we've got a little bit of a run going, Summertaz gives us a little kick here and there. Yeah. Giving the benefit of that. Whenever he's sort of got a team together and gone, we'll look all right now. We're sort of not conceding goals. We're getting, we're, we're doing well. And then someone will fall out of that team and we've just seen be losing that, we've lost that consistency completely now, haven't we? Well, yeah, yeah. Because to be honest, looking at the way we've been playing, you can kind of see now that a lot of these players know that a chance of the playoffs has gone. So I think a lot of them have sort of given up now and looking forward to breaks to be honest a break from the season um, Tenshi Boy Tenshi he's <laughs> said not good but we shouldn't sack Michael O'Neill he is a good manager yeah it, I think I think at the time it's like we've said why we don't do the pod on a, on a Saturday as if you've been the game emotions can be running high and you can say if 
he, if you go to the game and you see us get absolutely trounced, you're going to go, Gary Marker, you, you, you need time to focus and rethink. I mean, you, a lot of the comments online, they're all around 10 to 5, 5 o'clock, straight after the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, Philip Kelsall's put, we haven't won in Brom since 1988. It doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. It, he didn't. He never did, did he? No, we, we always, we've always struggled there, to be honest, for a long time. Samuel Warham, he said, just really poor, especially their performance, should have changed the formation at half-time to 4-4-2 to take advantage of the soft wing-backs at Birmingham. Yeah, but maybe you should have thought about that at the beginning, before the game even started, if that's the case. Yeah. If, that, if, if they are soft at the back... Are we not seeing this on the videos when we're doing this research on the teams? Well, like I say, I'll go into my opinion now. I mean, I think sacking Michael O'Neill is a nonsense comment, really, because at the end of the day, even though it's only been a slight improvement, we have improved this season. We aren't, you know, losing every week, and it seemed like what was happening with Nathan Cotter, Jones. We just looked under him that, you know, League One was coming. And I understand, and people have got to understand that this squad is nowhere near ready in a million months of Sunday getting promoted to the Premier League. No, because it'll just be the working boys, and um, we've said that before. The thing is that I know that the board won't spend loads of money even if we did go up, and that's what that squad needs. It needs investing. Yeah. And Michael O'Neill's trying to put a system in place because the board won't, because they're too just not interested enough to do it. But the problem is, why another reason why I wouldn't get rid of O'Neill is is because the yes people in that team with the right people around them who are good players mm. Powell Campbell obviously when he's back uh, Suter Collins the, the yes good players in there and the thing is the improvement from last year he, he's obviously going to bring people in again in the summer Yeah. so alright fair enough if he brings people in and we look worse than we are now but we've also got Alfie Doherty to come in as well, a player that's supposed to be an amazing left wing back yeah. as well. So, so he could replace Norrington Davies. Yeah, so you just got it. To me, if we're sitting here at Christmas and we've had another performance like today and nothing's improved, then people can text me and say he needs to go. I, I'm not bothered. But as far as I'm concerned, we, I still stand by the fact that this time last year we were going, we could be playing League One football next season. And it was close enough to it at one point once it's Yeah, at one point I thought there was yeah. a big chance we could go down, yeah. Yeah, there was a massive chance. Um and every time we even when we won a game, everyone round us won. Yeah. I remember at a time where we'd win a game and Luton had won. Yeah, and we just could never get that breathing space and and you look at it and think, we haven't had to worry too much about that this season. Um and it, to me you probably end the season and think, well, it has been a better season. The board can't sit there and say that there's not been an improvement under O'Neill, and neither can the fans. You've got to take it and go, well... Yeah, that's what I mean. There's a slight improvement, but there isn't a major improvement. I understand what, what people are talking about, because at the moment he's trying to build a defensive line through new young players that he's trying to bring through. And from what I've seen of Norton, he could be a possible bench warmer for next season on a regular basis and maybe break into that first team ahead of Brown or whoever's not performing. Yeah. The problem is at the moment we've got too many players that for me are not, I don't think that they're not good enough, I just don't think they're quick enough and they're not consistent enough in the way they play. Yeah. And I think players like Thompson, every year they play in that position, every year that they'll improve, they'll improve. Jacob Brownwell, when he keeps playing he'll improve, he'll start trying new things, his confidence will grow. The thing is, it's obviously, people keep sitting there going, oh, well, when this rubbish is gone. But the thing is, it's now about bringing players in that do improve this team. This Alfie Doherty could improve us on the left wing-back when he comes in the next season. Yeah. We need desperately need a right wing-back. That's, that's got to be priority for yeah. me. For me, we need another centre-back to go in for where Chester goes when he leaves. But obviously, the talk is they're giving him another contract. The thing is, we've got two defenders there in bat and suit that just aren't good enough anymore. Not for this level. I think they've just, just, Manchester. They're just, just not good enough. Yeah. And uh, the midfield is too slow. Miles too slow. You've got Nick Powell, who isn't the quickest, but he's tricky and clever. He's a player you can build something round, and he's young enough to continue on. 
for me, Joel needs to be gone. out now and see for the season, apparently. So yeah, um, and he obviously doesn't really work into this new system now, does he? No, because he's not a left wing back no. now, and he obviously doesn't like playing wingers. He only t- he, I've noticed this season that he only goes into a four four two and plays with wingers. When we're losing, when we're losing or second late second half, he'll he'll bring two wingers on, or yeah. he'll drop Brown to the right wing and then bring McLean on. Or do you not think though sometimes that can just disjoint you if you're two one down? And there's 10 minutes ago and you change the formation. All right, it's there for a reason for trying to make a point. But I, I don't know. I just think you use your system and, and buy players to come off the bench to play within that system for me. Um, because the, the problem is it's too big a change for me. It's not like going 4-4-2, 4-3-3. It's yeah. taking a midfielder on, off and bringing a striker on. And so it's that that's the reality of it. Yeah. Whereas going from five to four, it's like changing well, both wingers from the back, and then do you know what I mean? The whole set, the whole team changes from five to four four two. Yeah. And we, I just don't think we've got the defence to handle being four four two as well. No. I think the problem is we can't play four three three because we haven't got the pace in midfield to cover the defence and get out into the wide areas to support the wingers. We just the problem is with that side that I keep saying it, keep saying it, keep saying it. Pace needs to come into that yeah. team. It needs to come in quick. Players like Rabbi Matondo, I think, are just just aren't experienced enough yet to come off the bench as weapons. They are they aren't experienced enough. McLean's a good player to come off as a weapon because he's been in the game a long time. He's, he's done well. He's, he's played well a lot of football yeah. in his career. I know he's had a, it's a tough time this year, but last year he was brilliant for us at times. Yeah. I, I think the board trust him. I think Michael O'Neill's trying to bring a new modern style of playing, even though it's supposed to be the board that do that. He's decided to do that and, and work away through. He's brought that Aldridge in, and to be fair, that Aldridge hasn't brought a bad player so far. I mean, Alfie Doggerty, what I'm hearing, is supposed to be good. I think um, Jacob Brown, yeah, he's hit and miss, but I think he's an improvement on what we had before. Yeah. I'd rather Jacob Brown in his forward line than Vokes or Phoebe any day of the week. So, yeah. f- for me, things have got to improve. It's good because the thing is, we all like a steam line. A steam line uh, cruiser whatever yeah we are trying to turn around but it takes a long time to turn around when we've got when we put so much money into something that's failed so badly yeah. there's only a, it's only going one way yeah and to turn that round it's going to take one or two seasons to do that and i think michael o'neill is the right man i mean he's got to prove it though yeah he has but i i don't i mean i'm only making assumptions here but i i do get the feeling that he might be playing this system because he's got no choice i don't think he'd ever say that but the reason why he bombards our back line with a lot of defenders is because he's terrified at all, how weak we are at the back. Because the thing is, you play for, with what attacking threat we've got on that bench and the wingers we've got at the club, you'd play 4 4 2. If you didn't know who the, the defence was at Stoke and you come in and you look at Clark and Matondo and McLean. I just and don't think we've got the wingers for it though. Well, no, I just think you don't, don't trust the defence. I, I, I wouldn't trust the wingers. I, I think McLean we all know he's a graft and he works but his crosses are two out, two or three out of ten find the man he, do, he does do well McLean he, he can do but I don't think his age is helping him out anymore Does who are you putting on the right wing? Clark but he's gone he's injured into his back at Tottenham now but so. if you, I mean before would you play Maton, Matondo on the right wing? I, I, I don't think there's anyone there I'd what I'm saying is, is we, we don't possess much attacking threat now so it's not that that's worrying him for me it's the defence that's worrying him you've got to think last year even when he came in I know you look at it three months after he come in people were hailing him as God how much he turned his round at one point yeah, yeah, singing yeah. his name every week at the start of this season Michael O'Neill was untouchable yeah round. it was yeah. and the thing is but what people forget is we were still conceding two, three goals most weeks, but we were winning as well at the same time. Sheffield Wednesday on Boxing Day turned yeah. it around from two one down, won the game. We were still shipping goals, but we were good to watch. Now this season it's been, yeah, we're a lot tighter. We're not very good to watch, but we do still throw games away even there because we're too, we're not confident enough to get forward. We've gone from being quite quite aggressive going forward to not because to me he's still not happy with that defence because he wouldn't have been happy with the defence when he come in would he? 
Well, he hasn't bought a single defender in yet. Centre back, he's, he's, he's had only bought Foxen, hasn't he? Yeah, he's he's got to go basically with what he's had. He, he luckily found Suter and and um, Collins and Collins has sort of broke through last season, to be honest mm-hmm. as well. So really, he's he's having to make do with Chester and Bat. But the thing it doesn't help him. He's on about giving Chester another year, which I, I, to this day I don't understand. For me. Mm-hmm. Chester and Bat are gone because yeah. you can't rely on them. They proved, proved that last week in this. Bat made a big mistake in the slip. Look, yeah. Directly cost us the game. Again, Chester not marking his man, letting his man run, gets him free headed goal. These are players that we expect to be the, the spine of our defence. And it's like, well, you can't rely on any, any of them. The yeah. only one you can really rely on is Suter because he's got the pace to move around and he, yeah. he, he brings the all out. Yeah, I mean he's still the young lad he's still learning his trade as well there should be somebody behind who's helping him but they aren't so that's the problem they're the ones who are letting him down because yeah. they're so inconsistent we know Danny Bat's a, a liability at times we know James Chester's a liability at times but for me I don't understand why we don't go yeah go on thanks for everything you've done James go go all or wherever you want go and play, <laughs> play football <laughs> play some for keep your career going or whatever keep your going soft game for the Euros or whatever yeah. and then for us we just move out and go and get a good decent centre back if we've got a, an athletics team that they keep going on about surely there's one or two defenders that we can afford to get that are there and available who are youngish or whatever that can come in and do a better job than James Chester yeah it's simple as that fair enough we, we, we can't might not be able to get rid of both we might have to stick with Danny Bat yeah but, well, but at least yeah. if you've got a younger man yeah. but, for, but for me then that frees up a position if you've got two solid centre backs in the back three with Suter and this new signing then you can put Nathan Collins in then all of a sudden we've got the best young defence in, in the championship the thing that worries me is is this week obviously on Sky they've mentioned that we're classed as being in a transfer embargo not through actual players but through late books being handed in through Covid now Alright, fair enough. If that's the case, then why have we not handed him in, firstly? And two, why? Oh, there's got to be a reason why it's it, it, it's been held back. And and that's what worries me. Most managers in the press conference at some point would have said, we need to improve this, we need to improve that. And he's not really said anything, has he? He's just mentioned the game. Whenever he's talked, yeah. he's mentioned the game. And... Why are we in this transferring box? Why are we why are we late handing these this paperwork from the COVID times last year? There's about five clubs on that list that have done it. Well, apparently the clubs had 170 million pound, and they're on about it could be rising up to even higher than that. That the clubs going to be in debt to the coach family. So it also puts in a place that if we want to sell this club, then somebody's got to take on that debt. That yeah, and it, it all all this debt all it does is just solidify the coach family and the club. Which kind of a little bit worries me at the same time as it's as it's comforting at the same time. It's good of them to take the debt on, of course. It's, it's great that they care about the club enough to take on debt that's probably going to go over two hundred million pound now. Yeah. But the thing is, how long is that going to be around the club's neck? Mm. Is it going to be around the club's neck as long as the coats are there? Is that a comfortable, a comfort blank blanket so that the new owners won't come in and think about buying Stoke because? There's a two hundred odd million pound debt. Well, if there's a two hundred two hundred odd million pound debt in the Premier League, then within three years it could disappear. You could in in profits and TV rights and everything else in the Championship. It could be anything from five years to plus. In my opinion, well, the, normally two hundred million pounds of clubs are in that. Well, Leeds were only in hundred and eighty million pounds when they went through their embargo and yeah, all that stuff. So exactly. So it can have its cost side, but the thing is, we're in that kind of debt through stupidity. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the time, it's not just through being clever or whatever. It's it's a little bit on the stupid side. But well, most clubs that have ended up in them situations is through stupidity. Sunderland. <laughs> They've all they've all done it so they've they've plummeted Leeds, Coventry, they overspent and stuff and we, we've overspent on rubbish. On pure rubbish that we just couldn't shift. And still some of it's at the club now. Yeah, well there's new ones now, Morgan Fox, I don't know where he's doing now because it looks like he's I think he signed a two year deal, so we've got him next year as well. Yeah. yeah. Useless. Useless. Not another one that come through the door and was said to <laughs> said in the press conference that he's an ex- he's experienced at this level. Well, you can find a lot of players who are experienced at this level. Doesn't mean they're any good at this level. Yeah, yeah. Well, players bounce around clubs all the time, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're good. 
Tommy Smith's experience at Championship level. He's got quite a lot of games for Huddersfield at, at Championship level. Doesn't make him a good player. No, no, experience. That's, I think, one of the biggest um, traps that Stone get trapped into. They talk about, oh, he knows this level. Because I think they're still, like I've said so many times, they're still stuck in the Pulis mindset of going, everything to know he knows this level, let's get him in the left winger. Yeah. But the thing is, Pulis knew how to get the best last crumb of what they had. Yeah. I mean, look at how many players had to retire or or left a different club and retired not long after. De Lapp only did six months at Burton and then retired. Danny Higginbottom barely played for a couple of clubs and then yeah. retired. He used to get the last sap of everything that was in him fuller. Look at his career, it just, it just went lower, lower, lower every time when he left Stoke because his career was finished at that yeah. point. Like I say, Mark, when he not stay, I, I think that he needs that time. Let's be honest, he's spent no money yet as well. It's not the problem. It's, it's not the problem. The problem with Stoke is that it's going to take a long time to sort this mess out. Yeah. And the problem is there's a lot of these messes, like Bueller and Vermeer and Phobia. And there's loads of players, Bat I'd get rid of, James Jester. You know, you've got Davies, who's now forms dropping off a cliff. And a lot of it is, yes, down to the fact that they're on holiday. But for me, we have to stick with Michael O'Neill. Yeah, we do. I, I, think, I think fans need to just accept that maybe for a few years to come we are going to be mid-table championship side that's that's the way I see it now under O'Neill I think he could keep us there comfortably can bring players in and he can keep us at that point in the championship I think we can forget going up anytime soon I, would, I wouldn't even contemplate it for well it totally depends on what they do in January they might be two or three signs we look at and go wow that's massively improved the side but that's what we can look forward to next season now. I think that's basically what we're all saying. Right, so now we'll go into the final clue before the reveal. Because you think you know who it is, and I, I, I think you don't. Right, now, this player ended his career at Sunderland after, with only one season playing after the retirement and leaval of Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball, that's a name shout. Peter Reid said he was the best captain he had under his guidance when he was a manager. And not only that, he guided Sunderland to seventh place and just missed out on the UEFA Cup and famously Kevin Phillips turned out to be the good top goal scorer that year. He had to call time on his career early on, well late on in that season because of arthritis in the knee. And he carried on playing, he carried on as a coach basically at the club before leaving to go back down south to Arsenal where he run the AFC Academy then he, run, then he became assistant manager for five years and then now back in as the under-23s manager. Do you have a clue who you think it is? Yeah. Who? Steve Bowles. No, it's Lee Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't believe Lee Dixon is from Chester. To be honest, that was an easy one. I think if people didn't know that, it's because of an age or maybe he was a proper good player for Stoke, Steve Bowles yeah. was. Yeah, he, he was a good player for Arsenal as well. He was consistent once in the Premier League for years. I know he barely played in the Premier League. He was first division once in most of his career. Well, he was at Arsenal a long time, though, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he, played, he did play Premier League, but it was towards the end of his career once mm. when he was there. He was actually a very good player for Stoke. My dad was devastated when they sold him because him and Dixon were the spine of the back line at Stoke for yeah. a long time. When he came through, he got two caps for England, also won many a trophy in his time at Arsenal which obviously he didn't win at Stoke because we didn't win out. He won two First Division titles. He also won a Premier League title when Wenger was there. Won two FA Cups, a League Cup and a European Cup Winners Cup. So a very successful player because of his time at Arsenal. Yeah, there's a lot of players like that there though, weren't they? Yeah, not, not many of them liked an oatcake like Steve Bowe did because he <laughs> used to get them delivered down to his house from Stoke-on-Trent. Stoke Trent. Well, after a devastating week and a bit of a morbid week after the sad passing of uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, we'll have to let you go. You know where we are. We're on all podcast platforms. Thanks for listening. ta Enjoy not being in lockdown. Whee! <laughs> ta All the best.